Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airwaves, obviously, in accordance to all government guidelines, it's Mr. Rob Hayes. Rob Hayes, key worker, Rob Hayes. I am a key worker. This is this is true, but I am uh, so far I have avoided uh, contracting any kind of symptoms. So you've got no chance of catching them via the airwaves or via listening to this podcast. So please do listen on. But yeah, officially, I'm a key worker, and I live in a house with another key worker who is currently uh, trying to mend people at the hospital as we speak. So let's shall we shall we start with a big thank you to all the key workers in this in this interesting time. I think we should. And also it means that I feel even more inferior than usual because I basically have had no work for the best part of nearly two weeks and for the foreseeable future. And when I say foreseeable future, basically my entire diary has been put in the bin because everything's been cancelled. And of course, my work is nothing compared to what, what, what you do um, and and um, and your better half does. So I am even more inferior, as I said earlier. I'm just sitting around trying to not go out and do what you know, what do what they say really, and 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 podcast. That's essentially what I can do. I can't do anything else. But what we can do is bring you, for fuck's sake, and bring you whatever has happened or hasn't happened. So first of all, yeah, well done to you because you're you, you again. You're on the front line. It does feel weird. I, I thought about this this morning when I was writing bits and bobs down for the podcast. I was like, it is weird because I, I did another podcast yesterday, and a num basically half the people are still working because they are classified as key workers. Not quite in the extent that you um, and and Mrs. Rob Hayes are because you are actually you're needed. You know, you're on the kind of front line. Um, or at least she is. And my other friends who uh, who yesterday I was doing a podcast with, they are not, but they're still classified as key workers, but they're working. I've got another friend who's not working because of um, his girlfriend's not very well. I don't think she's, she hasn't got it, but um, it's just circumstance, etc. And because I've got no work at all, so I, I stay in. Um, so it is a bit weird because I'm thinking, like, I can't really help. And I suppose the, the the guidelines are you are helping by staying inside. So there you go. That's what I'm doing. This is my helping. That's it. You're helping by doing nothing. And I think uh, a lot of people are starting to realise that actually the more they stay inside, the better it's going to be for everybody. I think very quickly as a nation, we kind of got round the idea, especially people of our age, Pete, where you, you sort of like, well, yeah, it doesn't it's not it's highly unlikely to cause me a significant amount of illness or or death. Um, so why shouldn't I go about my daily life as normal? But the idea is not really that to avoid you getting it, it's to avoid you potentially picking it up, carrying it, passing it on elsewhere. So the best thing for us to do, and I mean, we don't really need COVID as a as a, an excuse to do this, but the best thing for us to do is to sit and talk remotely, um, kind of about football uh, and 
and see where the next hour or so takes us, really, and, and see if we can pass a bit of time for some people who are thinking at home, what am I going to do with my next hour? You know, you kind of got to live hour by hour at the minute. I, you set, you set, I set myself small little goals, whether it's win three games on FIFA or whether it's decorate the spare room. Set yourself small goals, get through each hour, uh, and the days go a little bit quicker. Yes, I've got this podcast. I've got a roast chicken, uh, which I'm going to put in after we do this. I've got a quiz night later on uh, with some friends that we're doing. I've got poker night set up, um, podcast, reasonably. Also, I, I am fairly fortunate in a way because I did have a, a, a kind of a sit down the other day and kind of go, right, What what is the plan? How can I make the best of this? Um, so I've been... I made a real conscious decision at the start of this because we we saw it coming. We saw the lockdown coming and everything. So my conscious decision was not have any rubbish food in the house. If you if you got to eat, eat well and 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 go running when you go can go out that one time a um, a day. So I, I've I've been trying to make it been quite proactive. And the way that I kind of live my life, it's not. I'm not saying it's a a lot different to what. Um, to what it was before but it actually kind of isn't in a way so i'm quite fortunate i know it's very difficult for some people out there but i completely agree hopefully and hopefully that's what the podcast is anyway just a uh, a kind of a, a lightener away a lot of people listen to it on the way to work but maybe it's cooking some food or in the bath or whatever painting a wall like you'll be doing and we've got a lot of stuff to go through and we all know what's happened and what's happening in the world but this is basically just our point of view on what's what now the last game uh, was against Villa when um, we won 4-0. Remember that on the 9th, on the Monday evening. Barnes, couple of goals. Vardy back scoring. Scored that penalty, that cheeky penalty. And then um, the razor shot volley at the near post. So Leicester back on their ways. Just to talk about the football for hopefully the majority of the podcast. But what a great win that was. I think... When we were going to do this podcast, Rob, I don't think many, I didn't think beforehand, and I think you probably would be the same. That the actual football itself wouldn't be the majority of the conversation. But let's just go back to that game. First of all, it was great to beat Villa. It always is to get some kind of revenge on what happened in the League Cup semi-finals. But to beat them in the style, to have Barnes scoring, to have Vardy scoring, and also in that second half to have Leicester playing in that silky smooth, quick way. And it looked to me in the second half almost like, I mean, Villa are a poor team, and we know that, and we've said that so many times. I've said that all the time, that they're a poor team. But it looked like Leicester were almost in a cup game against the lower league opposition. They were that far superior. And it was great to see Vardy back scoring. Barnes with that first goal when he took it round the keeper, what he was doing, God knows, but and also a really good finish for his second. It was just a, a real uplifting performance before, obviously, everything got shut down and closed down. Awful timing, wasn't it, from uh, COVID-19 to, to step in there when we've kind of, you know, a, a lot of fans in the immediate aftermath from that game would have been thinking, yeah, this is the, this is the game, this is the performance that gets the last few months back on track, really. And it was a... A perfect starting point to build some momentum and have a really strong finish to the season. Obviously, Vardy getting getting back on the on the score sheet is a is, is an important one. Um, a little sort of element of revenge uh, for the for the Carabao Cup defeat to Villa, and everything about it was good. Scoring goals, free flowing, feel good atmosphere, 
and then we haven't played a game since. And and, and I know all, all the other teams, if and when the league starts again, will be in a similar position. But, you know, we talked it up before the game. You said that you could see Leicester winning by a, quite a clear margin. Uh, and I based mine uh, a little bit more cautiously on, on what we'd seen over the previous few months. Uh, and, and said I thought it would probably be a little bit closer than that, just because we hadn't shown anything in the last couple of months that that made me think that we had the ability to go out and absolutely hammer a team at that moment in time. But we did, and it would have been a, a really good building block for the rest of the season. But alas, other things got in the way. But it, it is nice to... I, I had completely forgotten about it, to be honest, and it feels like an absolute age ago since we last watched a, a, a sort of live Leicester game, if you like, and... and it was nice there just listening to you talk your way back through it. Did you have to write down some notes for that? You can't have recalled that from your brain or or are you clinging on to football so much that that was there at the forefront of your mind from weeks ago? No, I started the notes about 15 minutes before we started this and I wrote down 4-0. I knew the dates um, and I knew the goal scorers. I had to find the, um, the minutes. But apart from that, that's all I've written. And then it all came flooding back just in as I was talking about Barnes. I was like, yeah, he went round the goalkeeper. And then there was that shot from the pullback from Albrighton. Albrighton's an interesting point because we mentioned beforehand, before that game, the fact that Albrighton and Gray were disappointing. But unlike Gray, Albrighton, yes, he had a very good game. And we did say that the team is progressing beyond Albrighton. And I still stick by that one uh, game doesn't change everything. It can kickstart a season, but it, it, it doesn't for me. We know what a quality player Albrighton is, but the fact that the team were flowing so well and he's an intelligent footballer. He knows how to A, pick a pass, but also deliver a ball into an area. How many times over the years have we seen Albrighton cross the ball and you know for a fact he's picking an area to cross into and whether someone gets on the end of it, there you go, your arms are in the air. Sometimes he'll pick a man out and if he does, invariably he'll actually deliver a ball onto that player's head or, or, or foot. But for him to pick out Barnes, it was a great play by him. He played very well in the second half. First half maybe slightly off the pace, but I think that's just the way that Albrighton is at the moment in terms of his development, in terms of his where he is in his career, should I say, in terms of probably his slowing down because of his age. But also the fact that the team's progressing probably beyond him. But when the team's flowing, it, it can encourage a player to play well. And when you've got the experience of Albrighton, he just he, he fitted that side very nicely against Aston Villa. And it was good to see him play well. But again, when everyone's back or when everyone's playing well, I still think he maybe is not a first-team player for Leicester or... Are we saying now that because of this performance and we're basing it on football coming back fairly soon, which it probably won't, would you then play Albright in, in the next game? Do you think that that performance merits another start? I think it possibly would have done if we'd have played the next scheduled fixture after the Villa game. Um, because, you know, it makes sense if you've got a squad of 20, 25 players, all of whom you would, by and large, trust to, to play in the starting eleven. Um, Which was Watford away, wasn't it? It was the away game at Watford, the, the Nigel Pearson derby. That was the scheduled game before, I think it was it the Friday morning, because the Thursday night 
they was the news regarding Arteta, and then they decided to pull it because they mentioned it was on Thursday morning they're going to play. Then Thursday evening, Arteta um, tested positive. Teams went in lockdown, and then the Friday morning because Watford basically share a training ground with Arsenal, I believe. I think literally there's a big wall between the two. Um, I think that's right. I still think that's um, the right way. So they naturally went in lockdown. So then the game was called off on the Friday morning. So you'd imagine maybe Albrighton would have played in that away game at Watford. I would have thought so, yeah, because if you're going away to Watford, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting for every point they can get. They're under Nigel Pearson now, and they are Watford anyway. So you you would expect to have to absolutely graft for for any result you were going to get at Vicarage Road. And if you want a grafter, you want somebody who's going to get up and down that touchline and put in everything that they've got for the team, then you would start Mark Albrighton, no question. Uh, and the fact that he got the assist for Ricardo to to score the the only goal of the game in the fifth round against Birmingham. Uh, and the fact that he got an assist for Barnes against his old club Villa, you know, that's that's two assists in five days. You'd kind of want him to be able to continue that. And I think Brendan Rodgers has been very good this season at assessing players' form and deciding when they are worthy of a place in the team and when they perhaps could do with a game off, a la, you know, Yuri Tielemans and... Um, and Dennis Pratt, Dennis Pratt, not put a foot wrong any time he's played in a Leicester shirt. Yuri Tillemans sometimes um, in and out of form a little bit uh, in various pockets of this season. So, and, and he was very honest with saying, yeah, I'm going to start Pratt uh, and put Tillemans on the bench because there we've got two very similar in terms of the calibre of player, albeit Yuri Tillemans is probably more highly regarded than Dennis Pratt, but they're both international ball-playing footballers. Um, and if Tillemans is a little bit off his game, Dennis Pratt is waiting in the wings, and that's exactly what you want in your team. Mark Albrighton hardly started a game all season. All of a sudden, a couple of assists and a bit more match sharpness back and, and showing what he can do, it gives, gives Brendan Rodgers a really positive problem to have because he's knocking on the door and he's saying, all right, I, I'm here and I am, I'm ready to to do a job and to affect games in a positive way, as he did for the last two games. Um, I think overall in the bigger picture, what we said on the previous podcast still stands. I think the team is progressing past Mark Brighton, but fair play to him for his professionalism and, and the ability that he still has for him to be forcing his way back into the starting lineup when that's happening. And that's exactly the kind of player that you want in your dressing room. He's seen the quality of player that's come in. He's seen the style of football that Brendan Rodgers is wanting to play. And you can imagine he is working his socks off still on the training ground and then he can produce performances and have an impact like that in the previous two games. It's exactly what you want from a squad player. Dennis Pratt's been playing very well. It's a shame that we can't just have that one extra player, the way that you can have Pratt. I'd love to see Pratt and Tillemans playing alongside each other with Ndidi, but then that obviously leaves a gap ahead, which is Vardy, rather than having Madison inside. If Madison's pushed slightly wide, if there's a way of getting Madison still in that kind of midfield area, you'd have him right next to Vardy or just behind Vardy, which means you'd play three at the back. It's a slightly different way of, cha- of playing, but it, it's just to try and enable the axis of 
the two Belgium internationals, it would be fantastic for those two to be playing. But Pratt, the way his, his endeavour, his, his industry in midfield, industry is a word to describe that, a, a Neil Lennon type. But I think looking at Dennis Pratt, if I was trying to describe, it, w- it would be someone like a Lennon who was maybe slightly more defensive than Dennis Pratt, who's who's quicker. Although Neil Lennon in the early years when he was at Leicester, you think of Lennon in a Leicester shirt and then you think of him in a Celtic shirt where because he, he what pace he had when he was first signed by Leicester, a uh, scampish player, he then developed into a defensive midfielder at Celtic, slower league. But... He had that little bit of pace in his early career and he used to nip around the park quite quickly and occasionally get forward and score the odd goal. I think Dennis Pratt has more in his locker and he gets apart, uh, across the park a lot quicker. He's very, very quick, isn't he? And for me, he just he reminds me of a Neil Lennon. And he, he's done very well since he's been in the side, since he's come into the side. And I think there's a lot more to him as well. I think there's plenty in his locker. I think there's a lot more going forward than what we've seen so far. When he's been in positions to strike a ball at goal, um, he's he's almost got a little bit excited. He's When he's delivered a ball into the penalty area, when he's got into the box and pulled the ball back or tried to find that final pass, he's done so. Uh, and I still think Tillemans is a better player going forward. And, I, and again, for the umpteenth time I would love to see Tillemans play further forward I don't think Yuri Tillemans in his position in the Leicester side is not his ideal position I think it's ideal for Dennis Pratt I would like to see Tillemans further forward given that responsibility look at the end of last season when he was almost playing as a 10 that was his best position where he can orchestrate the, the, the movements forward rather than worrying about getting back that's what other people can do it would have been a very interesting game against Watford. We can try and work out what would have happened. I I think we said beforehand, trying to think back to the previous episode, what our prediction was. I think we, we were going for a, a very tight game, maybe one goal in it either way, maybe a draw, maybe a 1-0. I think I made like a 1-0 Vardy. That's kind of um, the way I was kind of leaning towards it. But we will never know the, when the band came in. They mentioned early April. I think it was April the 4th, Grand National Day. That's course been cancelled. Um, and then they moved it to late April, April the 30th or whatever. But now it's just basically up in the air whenever it can get back underway. But one further bit of news from the Villa game was the fact that Ricardo Pereira was injured. He was in a tackle with Grealish. And I think a lot of people were surprised that he was injured to the extent that he was because he carried on for the final, what, seven minutes or so. I think it was late in the game in the early 80s in terms of minutes. And he and he's done his knee. He's done his his ligaments in his knee. Terrible news, but he's had his operation. And I've seen this somewhere. And apologies if the person's listening uh, to the podcast. I must have read it on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. But they mentioned that it would he be the first player to actually have uh, a ligament injury, have the operation, be off for a long amount of time, and actually play in the immediate next game after the game he got injured in. That'd be quite impressive, wouldn't it? That would also be slightly depressing because that would mean that our wait for football will go on and on and on and on. But it would be it would be an interesting statistic and one that you would probably want to try and keep in your brain for those pub quizzes 10, 15 years down the line. Um, 
yeah, it, it's a real shame for for Ricardo. And it, it, like you say, the news kind of came a little bit out of the blue, really. Obviously, the challenge um, was, you know, by Jack Grealish, but I think he was quite humble afterwards, and he posted on Twitter that uh, an apology, really, not for the, necessarily for the tackle, but for the way it turned out. And Ricardo, we we can do no more singing of his praises on this podcast than we already have, but he's a hugely important. Uh, in our recent history, in terms of uh, bringing our squad onto the next level, when you think really that he was a replacement for Danny Simpson, that's that the, the the kind of the difference there is is you know just those two names alone is is huge. Um, but I think what it will do if and when the season gets back up up and running, I, I hope, I really really hope for everybody's sanity that football is back before Ricardo Pereira is back. Um, and it will give James Justin a chance. And Justin played in that game against Aston Villa, played very, very well. What I liked about Justin is the way his relationship with Harvey Barnes, which in the same way that Chilwell has that relationship with Harvey Barnes, when they're both flowing and when Chilwell's running from deep, as we've always said on the podcast, where he is best, Justin works very, very well. In that left-sided position, he is a natural right-sided player, he's a natural right-back. But he played at left-back all the way through the league-winning season for Luton, player of the year and in the uh, team of the year. I don't know whether he was player of the year in terms of the whole league. But a very impressive player. And I'd imagine he would have kept his place in the team ahead of Chilwell, who was injured. And now, yeah, he gets his place. And how many times have we seen in terms of over the years at Leicester and at other football clubs, when a player gets injured, another player comes into the side, plays really well, keeps that position, and then things happen. And straight away, there was the conversation regarding Chilwell, saying, well, is this possibly because of the rumours and the likelihood in many cases of big clubs coming in for, and not that we're not a big club, but the likes of Chelsea Man City coming in for Chilwell. Well, if that's the case... Do we keep Christian Fuchs for another year and Justin can play at left-back? I think many, many supporters would be nodding their head and and saying, yeah, we'll do that. We make £50 million or whatever from Ben Chilwell. Thanks very much. Go and play football elsewhere. Justin comes into the side, maybe even Christian Fuchs, and they can dovetail each other throughout a season. And then you'd imagine it would be Justin to carry on and Fuchs possibly retire, go to America or elsewhere. Or maybe he does that and then we get a, a, another youngster into the side at left back as a deputy for Justin. That's that's all to play for. That's That's what could happen in the future. Certainly, that went through my mind watching the final stages of the Villa game. And we'll see what happens. It's it's a shame with Pereira, but again, if there was ever going to be a big distance between one game and another for whatever way, shape, or form, to have that operation and and, and of course it's not Greenish's fault, but also I, I have not got any medical basis of this at all. But you'd imagine the fact that he's not gone down and being carried off with oxygen that it maybe is not as bad as a, a full blown knee blowouts and hopefully because I think there was the option of not actually having surgery but they decided to have surgery maybe because of the um I think the the fact that the the, the games were being cancelled they decided to go with the surgery so hopefully it's not going to affect him in any way shape or form in terms of his performance when he gets back on the field but that's all in the future but Justin 
it, it's just turned out to be a, another great pick. There's obviously plenty of football ahead of us in terms of him playing for the Leicester side in the first team, and we'll see how he gets on with that. But uh, again, hopefully we'll get some football uh, sooner rather than later. Now, we've spent an awful lot of time so far on the podcast, Rob, talking about the Villa game, about players and how they're progressing and how they would have played against Watford, and that's been great. I suppose we do actually have to just talk about, and we have no basis, we're just going to talk kind of up in the air about what might happen? And I've written just a few things down. Um, there was a report this morning regarding there being less money in the game, which is kind of a sensible way of looking at things with the fact that after this outbreak and pandemic and the world will be changed, there will be likely less money elsewhere, recessions, etc. in terms of the um in terms of the economy. But in football as a sport, you'd imagine that there'll be less wages paid um, transfer fees more likely to go down because teams are just going to take stock. Now, in terms of Leicester, how do you think that puts Leicester in 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 the big picture? Because I, I I think possibly, and in a way that no one would really like, it might be slightly beneficial if that's the word to use for Leicester because we've got owners who have got a lot of money. We've got owners who, yes, their business has taken a hit through the duty-free and the lack of travel, but they are wealthy and they're committed to the football club. And also, a lot of infrastructure in terms of the training ground was already in place and will open in the summer. The plans for the uh, for the redevelopment of the ground and the surrounding areas, they might be the thing that gets just basically put on hold. But would the gap between the top echelon of the Premier League and those further down in the Premier League actually get bigger because of this? Or do you think it would contract? I will say, just for me, I think the gap between the Premier League and the rest of football, the Championship further down, I think will get bigger because of this, unfortunately. But overall, I think Leicester might be in a better position. Do players take stock and go, actually, I'm earning a lot of money here at Leicester? And I'm not going to risk going elsewhere because of what might happen in terms of finance. Or do players actually go, do you know what? Look at the world. Look at what's going on. I've got to, I've got to go. I've got to take my chance. I've got to take the risk. I might, I might only have this one chance to move to a bigger club. So do players like Madison and Chilwell decide, actually, now's the time to go and play elsewhere because I might not get another chance because... Football might not continue in the way that we know for the foreseeable future. I think that's going to depend on uh, on the individuals, really. And there's two ways to look at, at the impact of this um, on Leicester City and on, and on the Premier League and on the English Football League um, post-coronavirus. Uh, one of them is financial. And I think you're absolutely right in saying that our owners are uh, are committed sort of in terms of loyalty, but also financially to the football club, and I don't think that will will waver in the current climate. I think that's I think that's the important thing, Rob, as well. I think the, it's the commitment. Yes, you are very wealthy, King Power, but you look at other I mean, Mike Ashley. I mean, Christ alive, what a what a nightmare of an owner, anyway. But look, in the last few few weeks and days, you'd imagine someone like him 
if the business starts to go down, would try and drop, and I know he's been trying to sell Newcastle, would try and drop them, just just get rid. And other owners might look around and go, hang on, we don't need this football club anymore. We've got to prioritise our business for the next few years and then maybe get back into football. But you just can't see KP doing that. They're just, they are committed. And I think that's that's the word that, uh, that really a lot of Leicester fans need to, to keep hold of and go, actually, don't worry about Leicester. As other clubs, and I'm sure will happen, their owners will let them go. It it just won't happen with us. No, and owning a football club doesn't really make you a lot of money. Um, you look at the, the, the financial figures that football clubs post at the year end when they're forced to do so, and it's very rare that a football club makes any money. What What it does do is it enables you to enhance the sort of global reach of your brand i guess if you're if you're the owner of a premier league club you know how many people in in the uk would have heard of king power before they took over leicester city probably very few unless you're a regular traveler to to thailand and thai airports etc so it does it does sort of put you more so on the global map and and yes you've got assets then that are worth a lot more in terms of players, in terms of the stadium, etc. But by and large, most people don't own football clubs because it generates a lot of profit for them. So, so uh, you know, I can see people like Mike Ashley going, right, this has been a very expensive hobby. He's been trying to get out of it for years anyway um, and using this as the perfect excuse to, to either shut down any funds that he was thinking about putting into the into the team or the club or to try and get a cut price deal and just cut his losses and get out of there whereas I can't see that happening for a second I can't even see that crossing our owners minds I think when this was all over they'll just pick up where they left off uh, and continue to support the the club in every way possible I think you're right that the stadium developments will more than likely be delayed you know, you've got to think of all the knock-on effects on on people like the construction industry, for example. They'll have been halfway through jobs, or they'll have a sort of list of 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 job orders, if you like. And this time that they've not been able to work, that they will have to be factored in. So you would imagine that work on the King Power Stadium will, would have to start later anyway. And it might just be that the although it's been or completely costed, you'd imagine in terms of a financial planning point of view from King Power it's not necessarily the outlay of the finances hasn't gone yet, so they might want to keep hold of those just to assess what's going on financially throughout football, but also throughout the world, you know, because it is a worldwide problem, uh, COVID-19, and the worldwide economy is going to be a very interesting time as and when things start getting back up and running again. From a, a player's personal point of view, it will it will depend on how they've been throughout this this crisis really it will depend on many factors whether their period of reflection is wow I've got something really good here at Leicester we're building something really good and whether they feel the security that the owners are going to pick up where they left off and things at Leicester are going to continue on uh, an upward trajectory then they might say right okay I'm really happy here you know we've got to be grateful for what we've got and 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 stick around at Leicester or they might think you know the other way Pete especially let's say if um you know something happens close to their family for example you know if 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 they're directly affected by the virus um then they might sort of take stock and go right i have only got one chance at being a professional footballer professional football careers last a very very short period of time and you know it might just sort of make them think right i've got to accept any opportunity that's coming my way 
um, to move on to a bigger club. Uh, but I think the, the, the good thing for us is that there aren't that many bigger clubs in the Premier League now than Leicester City. We've got to be, if you if you consider um, reputation, size of sort of fan base, um, global outreach, etc. We've got to be in the top eight, really. Um, and, and that's a good position to be in because it means there are fewer clubs that can come in and say, we're a big club, we'll poach you. But... I think one last thing to sort of finish this point really is that that Leicester we're not we weren't expecting a huge squad overhaul or huge amounts of investment in five or six big players in the summer. You know we've talked a lot about how good this squad is already and how how it will continue to improve and how one or two key players in certain positions would be beneficial. So you know if we were in a period now where let's say we were. I don't know, six to 12 months ago and this was happening, you'd be a little bit more worried um, because we would have been expecting to bring in some some expensive key players. Whereas at the moment, I think even if King Power decided not to outlay any money on transfers in the next window in preparation for the next season, whenever that may start, I think as Leicester fans, we'd be pretty comfortable starting the season with the squad we've got now. Uh, whereas the same can't be said for a lot of clubs around us or just below us, you know, you're talking Manchester United, Chelsea, etc. They're expecting a big outlay in the summer. And in the financial uncertainty that is going to follow this um, coronavirus, that puts them in a very difficult position. It does. And also what I mentioned earlier regarding, say, Chilwell. So if, if, say, Chelsea decide that their only player to bring in would be someone like Chilwell, then because we have just in, in reserve then that would again give us the opportunity to maybe go into the transfer window and spend the money that we, we get from that one player sale, which might not harm the team actually at all, and then improve the squad overall. So it, it, it could be a bonus for Leicester in a weird way of looking at things, which in the way that the world is at the moment is how you got to go about things. I think what I can see, I can see um, once the team gets back, once they get back to Beaver Drive, once they get back to training... And the ability to travel, um, I don't know where Top is at the moment in the world. I, what I can see, I can see Top doing what, I can see what Vishai would have done. Okay, And Top, um, I can see once the team is back together very soon, as in a day or so later, Top turning up at training and maybe not on the outfield, but getting them all inside and going around saying, look, this is a situation, don't panic possibly even giving players an extra year on their deals, getting everyone in and saying, right, here's an extra slice of money in terms of wages, have an extra, we want you for another year, just to confirm the squad as it is, maybe just to kind of go again, like you said, with the squad that we've got at the moment, say, look, we need you for another season, Wes, um, Christian Fuchs, etc., Let's go again as we've got. Here's the money. to So to go around and just to calm any nerves of the players to use his wealth as well. But I can see I can see Vishai doing that and just saying, don't worry, this is what the situation here at Leicester is and why we want you. And also, this is the deal that we were going to give you. I, I can see that actually happening. Yeah, it would it would give some players who maybe were a little bit uncertain about where their future lied. Um some certainty and 
you know, he's he's got a good relationship with the players, hasn't he, Top? He's got a good relationship with the fans. Um, and, you know, we're, we're forever grateful for the relationship that our owners have with the club and with the city. So I think you're absolutely right for him to go in and and, and maybe make some of those deals happen not necessarily right there and then because obviously there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in terms of contract negotiations but to say we want to keep this uh, this entire squad together for next season whenever that starts or whatever and 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 to sort of continue the good work that we've already done and to reward them for for that uh and you know if if you tell the rest of the squad that any players i I mean we're picking these out because these are the rumors um like Madison and Chilwell, you know, they're, they're hot English prospects, aren't they? So they're, they're bound to be talked about in this vein more than most other players. But it might, if the rest of the squad are saying, yes, we're we're on board for at least another season, it might make those two think, okay, well, well, we will be too, because there's a, we've got some faith in the owner that things are going to continue in the way that they did before. They're going to continue to get better. And you've just been offered a slightly improved deal, um, that gives you some more security in these uncertain times. And, you know, let's be perfectly honest. If if you're looking at them as human beings, those footballers should be extremely grateful right now that they are can, can more than put food on the table. I'm sure their lockdowns are quite exciting, really, in, in terms of the big gaffes that they live in. Um, and they're under no financial pressure whatsoever. So as human beings, they should probably just go, right, OK, we're grateful for this. We're grateful for Leicester City. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with it. The danger is you end up getting a situation like with a Riyad Mahrez where he clearly didn't want to be at the football club anymore um, and he'd been asked, oh, one more transfer window, you know, one more season, whatever, uh, and it kind of all tailed off into a bit of a bad-tasting ending, really. So it, it's got to be managed well, but I would back um, I would back top to, to manage that, that, those relationships and those negoti- negotiations well. Now, in terms of when the season will start again, if it does, then that's we don't know. But we're in a dangerous position as a football club. For me, if you're a mid-table Premier League side, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. If you're sat in, say, wherever Everton are in the league, say tenth, I just top of my head, a team of picked, it doesn't matter whether the season gets scrapped and then we start the new season without having what we've just had. Um, or whether you carry on the season and then you elongate the one before, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. For Leicester, it does. Now, I've just written a couple of options down here, three actually. Um, option number one is you scrap the season and basically void everything that's happened and you start the next season, say in August, and then you just carry on. The season never happened. You start late. Okay, so you finish the season whenever we can get football back underway. Let's just pull out, say, July off the top of my head. Say you play the end of the season, you play the uh, the cup games. The so everything that happens, cup quarterfinals, the um, Champions League, the Europa League, and you just play the games as it would happen. And then next season starts late. Okay, and you have a shorter season. So essentially, there is a gap between the end of the end of this season and start of next of say. A fortnight, two and a half weeks, where fixture list can be determined. There's no FA Cup, there's no League Cup. You just play in a league season, which you can do in a shorter amount of time. That, for me, is my preferred option. Finish this season whenever we can, and then 
do the next season without maybe Champions League, without maybe whatever. And then whatever happened in this season carries on. Okay, job done. Or you scrap next season completely. And this is an option which I think is more and more becoming what possibly might happen. So as this pandemic becomes more and more serious and as it looks highly unlikely that football as we know it will get back underway anytime soon the likelihood is for me that they'll actually play the end of this season maybe later than a lot of people were expecting and because there's no time to fit in the whole of what would be the 2021 season just go right there's no 2021 season Everything just gets put back a year, okay? Leicester finished third in the Premier League. We qualify for the Champions League, and that will be 21-22. Fantastic. Everything just gets put back a year. All sponsorship, everything, just say, right, scrap next season. We're just going to go on to the year after, okay? That might mean a bit of a gap between the end of the season and the start of the Euros. There you go. That's just, just the way it will be. I don't know. You don't know. But the danger is for Leicester is if they do scrap this season, if they void the season, that would more than likely you'd imagine eliminate the fact that Leicester will qualify for the Champions League or would they get Champions League next year? I don't know how it would work, but I don't like the idea of voiding the season at all. I think we need to carry on and finish this season and for Liverpool's sake as well. Okay, Look at the way that they've played this year. They've been absolutely amazing, record-breaking and... I know it would be quite funny, and of course it is funny if you've been supporting a side who hasn't won the league for ages, but just imagine if it was Leicester and our league winning campaign. Imagine if this happened in early 2016 and Leicester were top of the league by 10 points and they were going to scrap the season and say it never happened. I know it is funny and we've all taken the mick out of friends who support Liverpool in one way, shape or form, but just imagine if it was 2016. I think it's an interesting point you make because no Leicester fan will want to even contemplate the idea of the Premier League title being taken away or, or not ever being properly won, if you like. There, there are so many different sort of ideas or different ways that this could go. And I don't think really that we know any less than the people that are making the decisions at the moment because... You know, it is it relies almost entirely on an invisible, tiny little virus that is that is causing absolute chaos around the world. The options they've all got pros and cons, haven't they? Really, um, I think if we if they voided the season and we didn't then get and the results were kind of null and void, and maybe they started next season with the same teams in each division as the, as they have this season, then it would be difficult for a club like Leicester to maintain the momentum and get ourselves back into the top four. We've done a lot of work, particularly in the first half of the season, to be in a position where we could qualify for the Champions League, which is a huge, huge moment for this football club. And and one that would feel like an authentic step in the in a, in a in a good direction where this club could be considered regular contenders for Champions League spots in the coming few years, etc. So if that was taken away, it would be difficult, I think, 
in parts to motivate the players and the team to, to, to get back to that level. And let's say that Leicester aren't playing Champions League football when the next season starts. That's another incentive that is taken away from players that are maybe casting half an eye elsewhere for a move. So it could have a huge impact on Leicester voiding the season. Um, I think it really depends entirely on how how quickly people get coronavirus because you know all the indicators are that pretty much everyone is going to get it at some point. How well the health health services around the world are dealing with it, and what the advice is. You know, at some point there's got to be a certain number of people with coronavirus where the the government decides that the lockdown is no longer necessary because it is spread so far and that when and it it then depends what that lockdown or that exit of lockdown looks like does that mean that we get back to normality but without large gatherings because they were the first to go so is it would it kind of be unpicked in reverse really where we could go about our daily lives and most of us could go to work again but you still couldn't have large crowds at which point maybe does the season get concluded behind closed doors possibly you you, you never really know I think at the moment, the reason that they've been able to cancel and void a lot of the lower league stuff is because, yes, there are clubs that were in very strong positions that have every right to be annoyed um, because they were in line for promotions, etc. Oh, don't don't, don't even bring that up. The mighty Shepshire Dynamo. Oh, here we go. Top of the league. Top of the... Yeah, sit sit back for five minutes. Here we go. Right. The mighty Shepshire Dynamo flying. Yes, they reformed the football pyramid further down. And at the beginning of this season, when the league was formed, it means that a lot of teams will be playing teams who are more local. And because Shepshire are one of the bigger sides in local football, you looked at the league and go, right, bit of a chance here, to be honest, of winning this league. They've got Quorn, they've got Loughborough Dynamo, uh, Loughborough students as well. So, and they've done really well. They're top of the league. They've had their blip. They were absolutely flying they went about it was 13 games without conceding a goal it was ridiculous and then they had a blip around christmas new year but they got back on a, a winning um keel they won about five or six on the bounce top of the league they've got loads of games in hand because they did well in in cup competitions i think they're i think about five points clear at the top with five games in hand so basically they're going to win the league in a liverpool position maybe not as strong but Almost. And then the season's just been voided. Okay, so first of all, that. What a disaster. But also, the fact that there's no football means that clubs of that ilk and also a lot smaller than Shepshire, and there are many, many people listening to this in Leicestershire will have their local side. And again, Shepshire are one of the, the bigger sides, if not, you know, say, third or fourth that's probably biggest in terms of club in Leicestershire, fourth maybe. And they'll be struggling. So there's going to be clubs lower down who really will be struggling. And what I can't understand, okay, you said beforehand, and I completely agree, that we know as much as the people in charge. But to just go right at, and that was me clicking, by the way, that's better, um, void the season, I can't understand that. I can't understand why they've just... They've just voided a season. Surely, lower league has the opportunity, A, 
to play to crowds of only a small size if they decide that only 50 or 100 people can turn up because that's the likely crowd of very, very the vast majority of sides in that division, for example. Shepshire would be more than that. But over the summer, surely there's the opportunity for them to get the games done in any way, shape or form and then start next season. You could scrap virtually all of the cup competitions at that level and it wouldn't really matter. And then you could play the league season. So my idea about scrapping the League Cup and FA Cup for Leicester City would be one option. But at lower level, you could scrap the VARs, you could scrap the County Cup, all these cup competitions that do take up a lot of time. You could scrap them and say, right, play your next season in a shorter amount of time. Start in November if you want. You could play it, you could almost change things around to say you have hubs. So the problem at lower league level is grounds in terms of pitches, in terms of waterlog and being frozen. So, for example, in the local area, you've got Loughborough University with all the facilities that you know as well, Rob. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. You could use that as a hub to play games. Loughborough, Quorn, who have a good pitch in area, Quorn. Um, Shepshed, a lot of teams in this area could use that to play their games if their own game, if their own ground is not suitable. Get next season done as well. I just think scrapping... The non-league season, just like that, is very, very foolhardy. It's too quick. It was a reaction to say, right, almost, for me, I think what they've done is go, let's just let's scrap it now so we can ignore them and then we can concentrate on the professional game. When actually, I think the non-league game is better equipped to actually have a shorter season next season with scrapping the VARs and the County Cups. That's my opinion. And the problem is there's more chance by a thousand percent that those lower clubs are going to go out of business than a professional club. And it's I think it's terrible. A lot of people would have an argument, which is completely valid, that players would be more interested in their actual jobs than playing football so that they can now concentrate on what they're doing in their livelihood as their main income because that's all up against the wall, obviously, with what's going on. But I think it's terrible that they've, They've decided to take this course of action. If, for example, the Premier League starts later on in the uh, in the winter, or maybe there's no football after, uh, say January or February because it's, uh, of finishing the season and scrapping next season, what could take the place of that football? Oh, non-league football. It's 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 crazy for me. I I I don't agree with it. I thought this might have been an opportunity for non-league football to actually come to the fore and replace the the professional game rant over i agree i agree with your points i think it was it was a very quick it was a okay we've got several headaches here which of these headaches can we make go away fairly quickly with without upsetting as many people and you know like it or not in non-league football there are fewer supporters there are fewer people financially dependent on the football club there are fewer uh, sponsors, commercial partners, everything. So it was the easiest way to get rid of a little, of a, well, I say a little headache, little derogatory, of a, of a headache so that they could then focus, as you say, on, on trying to find a solution for the professional game, for the broadcasters, for the commercial uh, people, for the, the fans as well. You know, you've got 30-odd thousand supporters going down to the King Power Stadium for every home game. Whereas you might, for lower league clubs, have 300. 
you know, so you're talking much larger numbers. On a, on a good day. Exactly, on a good day, yeah. Um, but I, I, t- I agree with you in the sense that non-league football surely logistically would have been easier in many ways to reschedule and to, to deal with. Um, if you're taking the stance that those players who are either semi-professional or amateur um, can now focus on their families and their jobs, yes, but you've taken that decision away from them. They are adults. They can make that decision for themselves. And if it's a, I need to pick up some work on a Saturday to to catch up with what I've missed when I've been laid low with uh, the coronavirus crisis, or I can turn out for Shepshed on a Saturday afternoon, then, you know... It's their choice. Ultimately, it's and and also also Rob. For me, it's just if you're and I know the chairman of of, of Shepshire Dynamo quite well. He's a mate of mine. I'm thinking that Mick would be sat there going, right, we're probably going to win the league, but this is what we're going to get if we get promoted. This is this, and all of a sudden, oh by the way, last season didn't happen. Scrap it. And the potential now is for you not to have supporters or to any income coming into the football club until if next season goes ahead even so it's you got clubs who are living game by game virtually at that level and even higher up and all all of a sudden they've just made this snap decision it just seems crazy why make a decision now it's it's absolutely ludicrous and it's gonna for me that decision is gonna force a lot of football clubs to fold and and i've been i've been discussing regarding who owns the ground? Is it a council ground? Is it owned by uh, a local person or or company who's maybe had it in their possession for three, uh, say, ten or twenty years, and all of a sudden their firm's going to go against the wall? So what can we do? Well, actually, we've got this bit of land. Sorry, everyone, you could maybe ground share with someone down the road. We're going to sell this land to build houses on because we need the income. There's so much that goes into local football at that level. And it's it's terrible. I I think that that decision will be looked back on, hopefully, and they go. Actually, it turned out to be the right idea because of what may be happening in the future. But I just hope they don't regret that and go. Hang on, we've cancelled this season when actually that's forced a lot of clubs against the wall, and we, as you said, it was in the, in a better position to actually rejig next season. In terms of um, non-league football, also coming making the sort of step up, if you like, to replace or, or fill the void of a of a late finishing Premier League season that left a gap between, you know, if if they finished this season late and didn't play another one before Euro twenty twenty one, um, it already proved that it was that it was going to be capable of that because as soon as the professional games got called off and the non league games had one or two fixtures before they were sort of called off, the the spike in attendances was was quite impressive. And a few more games were televised. Whether that was planned or not, I don't know. Because I was playing, I played five aside a few weeks ago for a. Um, we had a little get together for a friend's birthday, uh, and the Premier League games had already been called off. But we went in the bar afterwards, and there was a non-league game on. Um, I can't remember who was play- who was playing now off the top of my head. But you know whether that was meant to be televised or not. You know you could have picked up a lot more non-league games if you said we will play the Premier League. And the professional leagues, as soon as the the lockdown is lifted and as soon as it's safe to do so, uh, and then we'll finish that season. Uh, in the meantime, non-league clubs are kind of having what is essentially a pre-season 
before they finish their season as like a mini season after the professional stuff is finished to sort of fill everybody's football fix between the end of the delayed Premier League season and the start of Euro 2021. And that would surely, if nothing else, have generated a lot of more interest locally in non-league football, but also then would continue to, would, would possibly create more of a fan base going forward. You know, a lot of people who live near a non-league club of a decent level, such as yourself, obviously you're you're Mr. Shepshed, so you're very much involved in what's going on in the local community. But if you um, if you live in Shepshed and you, you only really get time through work and family to get down to the Leicester games and you don't actually manage to take an interest in Shepshed Dynamo games, all of a sudden, if you can do both, then it may grow non-league football going forward it it why why they needed to make that decision so early i really really don't know yeah it's it's it seems strange and also the fact that a lot of people actually won't care where the team is in the league so as you said there's a there's a, a four to six week gap which is filled by non-league football finishing their season everyone goes to watch it no one really who are the new supporters going to watch their local side, they probably won't really care where they are in the league. They might not even know where they are in the league. So they're just going to watch some football. So the fact that it's just been taken away, I don't, it just seems seems crazy for me. But um, regarding what could happen, or, or what we're missing, actually, we, we asked the question on social media, what are you missing? Regarding football, and everyone has the similar kind of answers but what's important to you and uh, just to read a few out um, Kev who um, I think he's a Arsenal fan actually he says talking to my dad during slash after the game win lose or draw um, and then I've got uh, uh, Nicholas says having uh, missing having soccer Saturday on in the background on Saturday afternoon uh, but just the normality of a football match and the scores uh, even the daughter asked uh, uh, regarding football the other day because she used to watching it at least one match at the weekend. That's my sister and talking about my niece. Uh, also, we've got uh, a Richard who says, I'm missing seeing Leicester winning. Mind you, we're saying that uh, since the Norwich draw at home. Um, but just as it looked like they were going to get back on track again, as we mentioned with the uh, the game against Aston Villa. Uh, someone called Rob Hayes says, I'm missing having a reason to ring Pete Selby, amongst other things, to be discussed on tomorrow's episode. Here we are, having a chat. Having, uh, I've had a reason to give you a ring. Other other things are pretty similar to what other people have posted, to be honest. You know, the, the sort of anticipation, the yes. the getting my fantasy team ready on a, whether it be a Thursday or a Friday. Oh, God. You know, all the things that you just do that all of a sudden you don't do... Like every morning, for example, I, I, I'd normally, I'd wake up and while I'm having my breakfast, I'd scroll through BBC Sport app or a, or a sports app and just see what the news was of the day. Um, you know, I was like the gossip column, you know, just to see what was going on. And now I sit eating my breakfast going, what what do I do? Oh, no, I've got to look at Facebook. Oh, goodness me. Or, or I've got to sit no, and do something yeah. else. You know, the, the lack of sport has... You don't actually realise how much... Well, certainly of our lives, it kind of takes up, and and I know for you, it's impacted on your job, and it and it would have for me if I was uh, if I was still in the the industry, which I which I departed a few years ago. But it, you know, it leaves quite a big hole, really. It's an insignificant hole. Let's be perfectly honest. In the in the grand scheme of things, your health and your family and your friends are, are much of a bigger hole, but it is a large part of your life, and and those things that you just oh, I've got a couple of minutes. I'll have a look at the sports headlines. 
no longer exists at the moment, and that's a big miss. A few other people have uh, mentioned on Facebook. Um, you got uh, Jamie Shields saying the whole match day experience, which is which encompasses everything. But but that's what it is. If you're at work on a Wednesday, you're thinking about Saturday. You're thinking about um, what what my dad wrote. The anticipation of the game for a few days before the game. The drive to Leicester, pint in the bar, see the team that Brendan's chosen. The walk to the KP. Usually watch the band for a song that's outside the King Power. Entrance to the seats winning the game and then driving home, listening to the radio, maybe going under the underpass and beeping the horn. Um, Jamie Shields, as I mentioned, the whole match day experience. Um, Mtaz Chowdhury said exactly the same. Uh, David Wainwright, oh, David, uh, says, uh, taking my beautiful daughter to the game. Um, and uh, he's behind the uh, the goal at the uh, the family stand end. Um, and Matty Cairns, uh, you know, Matty says, providing audio description commentary to the fans, which is what I do, which we do to the, um, for, for years and years and years. I miss that. And I miss going to the games and I, I miss just the, the, the hubbub of, of the world and everything that cha- churns over in terms of football. Like you said, the gossip, the who's playing well, who's playing bad. Other clubs, I know we're a Leicester podcast, but talking about other players and how they would fit in. How many times have I mentioned about Wilfred Zaha and how well he'll fit in at Leicester? Um, and then you got Ricky Lampard who says everything, match day, uh, Premier League matches, the FA Cup matches, the finals, the Champions League. How how good is watching Champions League football? Fingers crossed Leicester are in it next year and we're watching Leicester. But how good is just watching Champions League and the Europa League? The finals, the semi-finals, the excitement, even though we're not in it as a football club. Also lower down the EFL and non-league matches, which of course we've mentioned uh, quite a lot of already. But um, there's many, many people who have uh, who got in contact just scrolling down to try and find any more and uh, and and carry on with your posts as well because there's not going to be any football for quite a while so we'll put a few messages out on Facebook just type in for Fox 8 podcast and you'll find us on there give us a like and it means that you'll get all the uh, the posts that we put also at FFS pod on Twitter that's where you can find us on Twitter and again you can reply what are you missing and what's the personal thing that you miss maybe it's that burger van maybe it's picking up a pin badge maybe it's reading the Fox fanzine maybe it's just having a few beers with pals that you only see once a week or maybe your your mum or dad or family members that you only see once a week or once every fortnight or so or maybe it's that route that you go back home and you pick up some fish and chips on the way back or whatever Um, what is it that you miss about football and 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 reflecting on in a good way you know we're not so you know, you know crying over it it's the fact that oh yeah that that's a good thing that's the little thing that i actually like send us those reply and send us those little insignificant things that you might think no one is actually interested in but actually no maybe it's that little shortcut that you take to the king power that little kind of uh, desire path that cuts through a park that's been worn over the years and something like that you know send us those because uh, i think uh, on the next podcast which might not be um too long because i need something to do rob uh, so and we can read all those out so make sure you get in contact if you want to email it's for fox eight podcast at gmail.com uh, i've got a couple of more points uh, not an awful lot uh, uh, left i don't know whether you've got anything rob but uh, i've got one thing here um your birthday drinks are on hold yeah Unfortunately so, yeah. I was um when when things started to slow down a little bit, I thought, you know what, it's in it's in real danger of not happening now. Um I, I left it as long as possible, but seeing as we've been locked down basically um six days now, uh, I had to think what day it was then for a second. Um yes, I will be 
moving into the uh, the 30s. I will be turning 30 on Friday, April the 3rd. So if you want to send me some well wishes while I'm on lockdown, then please feel free. Um, but I know a few people uh, in my sort of school year who I keep in touch with who I'm good friends with are all turning or turned 30 recently. So we're possibly planning some kind of large joint summer do where we can you know have a massive barbecue or something and kind of have an end of lockdown celebration slash amalgamation of 30th birthdays one saving grace though is that my other half is working 12 hour shifts monday to thursday next week uh, as a doctor in the nhs big up to the nhs again i know we did it at the start but you know you can never be too grateful um but she's got friday off so at least i won't be locked up in my own house on my own on my 30th birthday at least i will have some company and she's promised me a three course dinner as well so i'm not i'm not too upset there are there are worse things happening in the world than uh, me being on lockdown for my 30th it is it is ridiculous though the fact that i'm sat here in um in the fox 8 studio actually uh, and the drinking with fear podcast studio as well that uh, i'm sat here and i could be sat here for months and months with nothing to do and and the fact that you're better halves you're working 10 hours it's ridiculous isn't it you know and uh, and hopefully at the end of this the, the the one thing i hope is that jobs i mean if you're a doctor everyone you know respects job, doctors and, and the nurses but hopefully it just increases and pay increases but also it's the it's the delivery drivers it's the dustbin men it's it's the it's these roles which I've, I, honestly, I can actually put my hand up in the air and say I've always kind of respected, and I've done job, you know, I've stacked shelves and all sorts of stuff in in my time. But I've always thought that you know, always said hello and 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 had respect for people in those jobs. But I hopefully the wider world and and people in 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 loftier positions than us, um, hopefully have a bit more respect for those roles. But also, when this does hopefully, blow over is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. When this does blow over, um, the response is going to be mad. There's going to be some crazy parties. Imagine the pubs on the first week that they open. It's going to be uh, hopefully a long, hot summer, um, maybe a late summer as well, depending on when it all all does uh, abide. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, fantastic when it's all uh, off hold. Um, and and the last one, Rob, I've got is um, something that we've done in the past. Actually, I actually uh, I. Uh, I did send a message out during the recording. If anyone could hear me tapping away, I was just saying we're recording now. Anything uh, more that anyone, pe- any people want? Uh, D Beats has just replied, "Overpriced beer." <laughs> something that's uh, something that he misses. So there we go. That's literally fifty-one seconds ago. Now, um, something we've done over the years, Rob, is the greatest Leicester side, uh, the greatest team in the Premier League, the greatest one to eleven. Remember when we did the greatest? shirt numbers every player to wear a certain shirt number and everyone bar the listeners to the podcast didn't understand what we were doing and saying how the hell could you know Paul Dickov or whoever was number 19 well that would can be asked, I can't whoever number 21 was um how could they be in the best Leicester squad of all time no one understood that it had to be per number um that remember that that, that went down uh not too well. Bit of a social media frenzy on that one, wasn't it? But I, I blame them for not reading the small print. Oh, yeah, completely. We we put it in bold type. Look, it's every player. Anyway, we won't go back into that. We should do it again, actually, and <laughs> wind people up again. But Leicester, in this 
era of no football. All the football clubs are trying to do bits and bobs. And uh, they did a, a vote for the Premier League eleven. So the best team to play for Leicester in the Premier League. I can't remember, and this is bad planning on my behalf. This is bad, bad planning. I should have really dug out what we picked. Now, that would have been a few years ago. And I will try and find that. And I'll try and match it up to the side that they picked. Um, so they did a poll every day for the last, what, 11 or 12 days. Where you could vote on Twitter for each position in the Leicester side on four players. And whoever got the most votes got that position. This is the Leicester side. So the best Leicester side of all time in the Premier League era. Uh, Ingol Schmeichel. Fairly obvious. At right back, Ricardo. Centre-halves, Huth and Morgan. And left-back, Christian Fuchs. And the right of midfield, Riyad Mahrez. Centre-midfielders, N'Golo Kante and Wilfred Ndidi. On the left, Steve Guppy. And then up front, Vardy and Heskey. So, I kept close eye on this, actually. I voted pretty much all the time. And for me, Rob... I agreed with Schmeichel. I agreed with Ricardo, Morgan, Huth and Fuchs. Mares, Kante. Um, on the left, Guppy. I actually picked Guppy. And a lot of people maybe thought, say, Albrighton. But I actually picked Guppy in my vote. And maybe in Didi in midfield, it's very difficult now. Because you've got Izzet and I think... Drink water probably will be in the conversation. And Ndidi. Some people are saying Cambiasse, but surely not. I I maybe would have gone, is it, and drink water over Ndidi? But is Ndidi becoming now that player? Maybe at the start of next season it would have been Ndidi. But maybe Muzzy is it possibly just because of the, the length that he was at the club. Drink water, just narrow second. But up front, Heskey and Vardy, certainly my two picks. And so it, do you agree with that side? Which players would you have changed, Rob? But also... Just think if Heskey, because it would have been a 20 or 19 year old Emil Heskey alongside Jamie Vardy, what a forward line that would be. What a devastating pair. It would have been a good partnership, wouldn't it? It would have been um, the sort of traditional 90s, not necessarily little and large, but but a big sort of target man um, and a very, very quick accomplice. Um, but you're absolutely right. At the start of his 20s, Emil Heskey, you know, obviously the lack of live football has meant that there's been a lot of reruns and a lot of um, sort of memorable moments, etc. You forget the physicality that Heskey had. He wasn't just a big lump. Obviously, Michael Owen said he was his favourite player to play with um, for England, obviously because he did a lot of the, the physical aerial work, if you like, and the hold-up play. But when he got a shift on... He could move Heskey, and and his finishing was was better than I sort of remember really because you know when Heskey was playing for Leicester, I, I was um, sort of primary school going into secondary school, so I, I remember your memory of it as a child is very different to how you'd look back at it as an adult, um, and I, I I don't think I quite gave him credit for how good he was when he was at Leicester. That would be a formidable partnership, and I totally agree that they are the two best Premier League strikers uh, two best Leicester players of the Premier League eras um if you like because you could sort of compartmentalize Leicester's Premier League life into two eras really the Martin O'Neill era and the one that we're currently in um 
yeah, I think the central midfield one is the is the most difficult one, really. Um, and I think it was the area of of contention that we've had whenever we've done any anything similar to this. Whenever we've picked a best Leicester eleven, whenever we've picked it in terms of squad numbers, whenever we've picked it in terms of Premier League, um, it, it is a difficult one. I can see why Ndidi has been voted in. I think the advantage that he has is the fact that people are voting now, and that's when he's actually sort of in his in his prime, uh, and he's in the team at the moment, and and people maybe forget the impact that the likes of is it Drinkwater had, um, but the back four I, I would agree with, you know, there would be a case for arguing that if they won the Premier League, then it should be the back four that won the Premier League, but. We've already discussed how infinitely better Ricardo Pereira is than Danny Simpson uh, earlier on this podcast. Yeah, we did. We did some earlier as well. I think uh, it wasn't that long ago where we mentioned that Ricardo. I think we did a Premier League again. Terrible that I've not dug it out, but I will do. And I think we actually said at the time that Ricardo has just gone past what Danny Simpson did at Leicester in terms of the way that Ricardo has played over just two seasons. It's he, he's been fabulous, and he, he has because he's exponentially a better player than Danny Simpson, who was fantastic in that system when we won the league. But the impact that Ricardo has has just gone beyond Danny Simpson and that was um, that was a few months ago. I, I think it's I think it's very close and if indeed he gets the nod, there you go. I just think with Is it, you've won and I know we're talking Premier League, but you've won two trophies. He's played for an awful long time. He was one of those players who got relegated and then came back and then played in that that season as well. It, and some people mentioned goals he scored, you know, the overhead kick at, at Grimsby. I know it wasn't in a Premier League game, but I would just go with is it because maybe you just need more of a nod towards that O'Neill era. It's actually quite easy for Leicester because you've got the two eras, as you said. And you look back, Lennon, what a great player, but Kante would, would beat what Lennon did. And also I would have and Didi over Lennon as well. The centre-halves is slightly awkward because Wes Morgan needs to be there completely. And and the impacts, which we've said before, that, that Hooth has had, not only in the league-winning season, but in the season after, but especially, and especially in the miracle season that we stayed up, uh, how how you cannot put into words what he actually did to that side, as in keeping Leicester up, the unbelievable and the impact he had, and also with Schmeichel as well, the the relationship then that blossomed between Schmeichel, Morgan, and Hood being there. But that means that you're not having Steve Walsh. And also, and more over Steve Walsh, because you're talking Premier League era, Matt Elliott. I think Elliott technically should be in there. But I, I would just have Hooth because the league win just, trumps what Elliot did that's again very very difficult you know what I think about Frank Sinclair but Ricardo's in there Fuchs obviously at left back still over Chilwell for me so it's it's there I it's just the Ndidi position and Elliot not being in the side is quite a bit of a bit of a bugball really maybe but you gotta have Hooth because it's it's what he did in the survival season actually for me that puts Hooth in there just ahead of Elliot. Always good to have these conversations, isn't it? Because, you know, you can't... It is a real struggle to narrow down the quality players into into 11, uh, into 11 names. 
and we've all got different reasons for supporting different players. If you wanted to put in Walsh or Elliot, maybe you could make a, a back three with the wing backs of Guppy and Ricardo, and and maybe you could make an argument for dropping Christian Fuchs out of there, um, and then put Mahrez. Oh, that, that would be that would be tremendous. Yeah, then put Mahrez into a more central position ahead of. Uh, Kante and, and, and Didi or whoever you want in that central midfield position maybe Muzzy is it you can play Mares just behind Vardy and Heskey and have wing backs of Guppy and Ricardo because Guppy did play wing back quite a lot when we were sort of pioneering the three-five-two formation didn't he so we would have Huth Elliot and Morgan as the back three the five in midfield you'd have Guppy on the left who played wing back you'd have Ricardo on the right would be a tremendous wing back, and then you have three in midfield, and they would be Ndidi and Golo Kante. You'd have two up front, um, which would be Heskey and Vardy, and then you would have that extra player in midfield to have, which would be Muzzy, is it? So you'd drop Riyad Mahrez? Oh, God, I forgot about Morris. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Um, you, you you argued for is it over and Didi just about and I and I think I can I can take that argument so maybe you play is it and Kante in the in the centre of midfield with Mares in the number ten role. Okay, what I would have I would have that then I would have is it over and Didi Mares then playing in that behind Heskey and Vardy, and I would have that now, but if this season and fingers crossed it does. We finish this season and we finish third, and we or even second, who knows, and we qualify for the Champions League. I would then, at the end of this season, have Ndidi over Izzet because I think Ndidi's influence this season has been so much in qualifying for the Champions League that that prize because or possibly even winning the trophy. You never know. We could win. We could win the FA Cup, and if we do win the FA Cup, then there you go. That would be. That that would trump what what is it did. So I think on the completion of this season, Ndidi gets in there over is it. But at the time of recording, is it just? Does that make sense? Does make sense. Well, as much sense as you normally make. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot then. Okay, well that's that's what I have down for today. I can't think of anything else, Rob. Uh, anything that you would like to? No, me neither. But I would just like to say to everybody. Try and uh, stay safe, but also try and keep in contact with us as well. Obviously, we, we'll, we'll struggle for content in future episodes without your contributions. So do get in, engaged with us on, on social media. We'll try and think up some some questions to ask you and some some uh, food for thought for you over the over the next few weeks and uh, so that we can uh, come back and, and have a bit of a discussion about those because the chances are we're not going to have any football matches to talk about in the near future. Yes, it is. Uh, it is a bit bare on the ground when it comes to to things to talk about. Although, to be honest, we've managed to get through nearly an hour and twenty. Yes, we've discussed what's going on at the moment, but uh, there will be plenty of content. So, going further back, I've got a few plans because, again, you look into the future and you go like, "Well, what can we do?" Um, and uh, not that I'm jumping on the bandwagon or jumping on the back of other podcasts, but there is a, a very popular thing that goes around a lot of famous podcasts and that go around a lot of people will be listening to um regarding and i've mentioned this once before regarding what if and i might start a little mini series regarding what if you know what if something didn't happen and um and what if 
so and so didn't do that or stayed or did whatever um and uh and yeah my my first idea will be and maybe it will come out this week who knows so it it, it could be under the uh, the the subheading of for fox eight but uh, my my first idea is what if martin o'neill didn't leave leicester to join Celtic. It might only be short 15-20 minute jobbies, but uh, there we go. That's my idea. Do a little uh, bit of research to find out who signed for who around those eras and what would have happened, who left, and you go forward maybe five or six years into the future and kind of make up a, a, an alternative future for the football club. Again, many people will kind of go, hang on, I've heard this before on other podcasts. Yes, you have, and I've stolen it, um, and running it with Leicester. So my first idea is to do stuff like that called What If, and the first one would be What If Martin actually stayed at Leicester instead of joining Celtic uh, back in the year, was it 2000, uh, that he left. So that's uh, that's one idea. What do you reckon about that, Rob? I think it's good. I think hypothetical football situations are what we're going to be reduced to talking about, I'm afraid. I think it is actually. I think it is. Well, um, okay, from me, and you know, I've said it at the start, but uh, yeah, well done, well done to you know, key workers, and uh, and keep on going, and um, and stay safe, stay stay at home, isn't it? Stay at home, support the NHS, um, keep your distance, wash your hands, and all that sort of thing. And uh, all the best to you, Rob, and uh, to Mrs. Rob Hayes as well, because uh, obviously she's doing very very important work rather than uh, sitting here pontificating about football that might not actually take place <laughs>